2: I'm Greta Johnson. I'm Tricia Bobita. And from WBEZ in Chicago, this is Nerdette.
3: Coming up, ladies who nerd out about science and storytelling. We talk with the hosts of the new NPR science podcast, Invisibilia. And then we get to know Susan B. Anthony. The lady on the coins. The lady on the coins. That, are pal Lauren Chulgin's new musical obsession and your nerd confessions on Nerdette. Because everybody's a little nerdy
2: about something.
1: It's
4: snappy, nerd! Nerds! Nerd!
2: I'm Greta Johnson. And I'm Trisha Bobita. This week on Nerdat, we talk with Elise Spiegel and Lulu Miller, their hosts of the new NPR podcast Invisibilia.
3: Elise and Lulu have serious public radio storytelling pedigree. Elise is from This American Life. Lulu is from Radiolab. They've both been working on NPR Science Desk for a while. I knew
2: the second I heard about this show that I would love it. Elise and Lulu could talk about pretty much anything, and I would be there, 100%.
3: The show centers around the invisible things in our lives that make us who we are, our thoughts, our expectations, perceptions, behavior. Here's a clip from the first episode of Invisibilia called Dark Thoughts.
5: The day I met S, he answered the door in these very colorful shorts, very cheerful, very friendly, his house is just steps yeah. from the ocean. I mean the
2: water's right here, so it's Oh, it's so
5: nice. Are you like a surfer? Yeah. And that was the kind of life that he led. Sunny. Until one day he sat down, I think it was a Friday night. Friday or Saturday evening. To watch a movie with his wife. Relaxing, having a beer. They were newly married. hmm And the movie that they decided to watch
3: was this movie called City, City of God. God. It's a Brazilian movie involving the drug trafficking of Rio de Janeiro. It's a very violent movie. And about midway through the movie, I started getting just inundated with violent thoughts. What if I were to brutally stab someone or shoot someone or harm my wife? That's a scene from the first episode of Invisibilia, the new NPR science show about
2: unseen forces. Now that you have a sense of what the show sounds like, let's get to our interview with Elise and Lulu. I've been covering human
5: behavior for a
2: long time like maybe 10 years at
5: NPR. And some of the stuff that we talk about is stuff that I've just historically been interested in. But the whole thing kind of grew out of this one story that we decided to do together after we met and really liked each other at Third Coast, which is in your neck of the woods. Lulu, do you want to like... Well, yeah. Have you ever seen an action
6: movie where there's a bank robbery and someone puts smoke or powder down and then you can suddenly see the lasers of the alarm system. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I feel like Elise already saw the world with these invisible forces, like the lasers. She has been reporting on it for 10 years and there was some sort of experience before that, too. I feel like she was already more versed in seeing of the invisibilia, all these invisible forces that pull on us in surprising ways. I came into it more cluelessly, like, duh. I don't think that someone else's expectations could affect me. I actually really felt like I came into it more blind to those kinds of things. And so for me, it's kind of been a process of realizing in thing after thing, expectations, thoughts, fear, categories, all these different things that are shaping us or controlling us. Each one for me is kind of like a learning experience and a little bit of a surprise
5: And to be fair, like I have to say, it's not like we sat down and we're like, we're going to do a show about the invisible forces that shape human behavior. What we did was we created a series of stories, just the things that we were kind of natively drawn to. And then when we sat down and we looked at all of the things that we had done and we kept kind of grasping for how do we explain this stuff that we're interested in? And it seemed like the one overarching thing that contained them all was that what we were trying to do was make more clear the kind of conceptual frames through which we experience the world.
2: Sort of reminds me of like a Mulder Scully thing.
6: <laughs> that came up uh, earlier continue.
2: today. <laughs> I mean, you know, in that sense, it's more of like the skeptic versus the believer. Uh-huh. But there is still something to that idea of having the person who's familiar with sort of decoding that language already and then the other person who gets to discover it for the first time. Mm -hmm. Like that did well for The X-Files. It did. I was a fan.
3: We'll be back with more from Invisibilia host Lulu Miller and Elise Spiegel in just a minute. This is Nerdette.
1: Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events.
2: I'm Greta Johnson. And I'm Trisha Bobita. Right now, we're talking to Elise Spiegel and Lulu Miller of NPR's new sciencey show, Invisibilia.
3: These two are responsible for some of the best radio I've ever listened to. One of my favorite stories of all time is from This American Life by Elise. It's called 81 Words, and it's the story of getting the language that defined homosexuality as a mental disorder out of the DSM, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual.
2: That's the book psychiatrists use to diagnose mental illnesses.
3: 81 Words is an incredible story, and we'll put a link to that on our website, nerdpodcast.com. But now here's more from our conversation with Elise Spiegel and Lulu Miller about their new show, Invisibilia. We are so excited about this show. All it
2: really took for me was, oh, lady-hosted podcast about science from NPR? Like, I'm there. All in. I think one of my moments for realizing, oh, public
3: radio is special and a thing that I want to be a part of was the 81 Word story. Oh, thanks. Whenever I'm tackling something that's difficult to talk about, I kind of think back to that story and others. I wonder if for each of you, having been aware of each other's careers for so long, is there a story that each of you did? Well, I know what story that Lulu did that I like
5: completely and utterly fell in love with which was she did this truly unbelievable and this can be my homework for your listeners to go listen to her story about a man's life for a bird it's about whether or not there's this endangered species of bird up in upstate New York and um it's in Michigan but oh it's in Michigan but you Sorry. that is you are not required to remember details like that <laughs> okay. There's this endangered species of bird. I'm going to steer clear of, like, of the, the specifics yeah. right now. Um <laughs> There's a bird. It's on the radio. Go check it out. No, it's like there's a species of bird that's very rare, and this community mobilizes in order to save this rare bird. And in the process of trying to save the bird, a man loses his life. And Lulu goes up there to essentially ask the question... Is this worth it? Would you say that that is like a good representation oh, of your story? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's just so beautiful in so many different ways, and she's getting at all of these things that are really difficult to get at, but which absolutely underlie that situation. And so, I just fell in love with that. And yeah, and
6: mine is. Have you guys heard unconditional love? There was a boy. Oh my god. Who was a yep. Yes. Right. Yep. I wept, actually. I heard that fairly recently and wept. I was just thinking about it and, like, almost wept again. But, like, so it's about a boy from a Romanian orphanage and a family in the States adopts him when he's, I don't remember, three? Seven. Seven. He was older. And it's about the adjustment period and whether or not this family can, like, basically can consistently very intense love undo the damage of seven years without such love and or can you teach love can the, you that's
5: a, like like is it possible to teach love yeah
6: what really stood out to me is like and this is so characteristic of elise everyone in that story steps forward as such a full person the mother is still so vivid with me as is the son one thing about elise is she is one of the most direct people ever. And so she just, she gets right to the hard questions, but in such a safe way. And like the way that that whole family, every person felt like this really complete person speaking really honestly about this hard situation. There are all these moments you actually observe unfolding. So it was this insane mix of idea and people. It was so powerful and I would be the happiest person to get to even do one story with her. Like, it's it's so amazing to work with her.
2: So, yeah, that reminds me, Elise, one of my favorite stories that you did was actually fairly recently, and it was the one for Morning Edition about assisted suicide. Oh, yeah. And that's another one of those stories that's so intensely touching and heavy, but also... Uplifting, And I don't know, I feel like it just contains the entire spectrum of human emotion within these four minutes or however long it is. Thank you.
5: Well, if you like that, then you'll definitely like Invisibilia, because I feel like Invisibilia is by far the best work compared to the rest of my NPR work. It's so much richer. And what I do with Lulu, I do much better than what I can do alone. Oh, that's so basically. Beautiful. And it's funny. We do the funny we are actually together. having a good time doing really we good We are work. having a good time, and it includes the funny in a way that I would say my old work did not include the funny, but my new Lulu-infused work definitely <laughs> includes the funny. So that's good. She... Which is
6: basically just pressing record and letting Elise talk. <laughs> no. It's just letting Elise be Elise.
5: So that's like a new element to the work that Lulu brought.
2: Well, that maybe answers my question, but I was wondering, even this first episode is largely about those dark thoughts. I feel like you're not afraid to occupy dark spaces, which I think is really important. But do you ever just feel like you need to just get out of there? We
5: have. I mean, like that was so the thoughts episode is the first episode and that we had not, I think, yet found our footing. We are evolving and will continue to evolve and We definitely go for much lighter stuff, believe me. And then
6: something happened, too, at the end of that first episode. We had put it all together and we're getting ready to listen to it as an hour. and And Elise goes, gosh, one story about a man overcome by murderous thoughts and another story about a man locked inside his body for 13 years. Do you think we're a little dark? I think we need a dance party. And then the most, like, fun, upbeat dance music comes on. And so now... Every hour actually ends with a dance party. Um, and and the kind of broader idea being like, life is hard. The experience of living inside one's own head can be lonely and excruciating, and yet we dance. We're trying to interweave lightness with the reality that can be the pain of life. We're trying to braid those two things together.
3: I love that. It reminds me of a Ken Robinson quote. The He wrote The Element and does those great TED Talks about creativity and education. Mm-hmm. And he said, so many of us have forgotten that... Our bodies are for more than carrying our heads to meetings. Oh, mm-hmm. that's good. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so, if you're going to go really internal to sort of shake it off. Oh, no, I made a Taylor Swift pun and I didn't <laughs> even mean to.
5: <laughs> no, or it wasn't. Or it's in the oh, machine. Yeah. Perfect. It was a much cooler yeah. reference. Okay. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but, although that's shake it out. Oh, yeah, that's.
6: <laughs> but when you miss, like when I sing it in my head yeah, on I runs, I shake it <laughs> off. <laughs> it's shake it out, but it should be shake it off. All right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> this is Nerdette. thought would be fun to ask you about was some of your favorite almost invisible things.
3: Lulu, you like bugs, right? They're almost invisible.
2: We were sort of thinking we could
3: out each other.
6: Yes! (laughs) Because I told you I liked bugs, which I like weirdly do. I don't think of myself as liking bugs, but I hear facts about them and then they like capture my mind. i will like the one little bug one I I like no? I, like, okay. like
5: I would say like Lulu we sometimes joke that Lulu's beat is Oh yeah. Bugs, suicide, se- and bugs, holidays. And, and bugs, suicide, blindness, retirement homes and holidays. Ooh. Yeah. Those are <laughs> like that's what she covers.
3: Which is my favorite section of the newspaper, so that makes sense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think bugs are cool because
6: they do life so differently. And I think if you just step back and consider their different ways to do life, you could like potentially Have lessons for yourself. So maybe that's a really dirty reason to like bugs. What do you mean do life differently? Well, like, okay, the tick, for instance. Okay, The way it gets onto a predator is that it lurks in the bushes. It just waits on a twig. And then it doesn't jump. The tick doesn't jump. It waits for a predator to walk into it. (laughs) <laughs> it's a hugely successful species, and like maybe there's something to learn Some from lesson. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> know, like they Like also, if you just sit around and position, like that. Sometimes a way to get something is not to leap for it. I don't know. Just there's always these interesting other ways to watch how creatures do the same things we're trying to do.
2: No, I love survive. that.
6: Yeah. So mm-hmm. the end. That's why I like bugs. Elise has a nerdy habit. Elise likes to go to the elementary school production of. Or middle Pretty school much anyone. Uh, production of plays and musicals that her children
5: are not in.
6: <laughs> I just like I like <laughs> a lot.
5: I she like amateur it. theater, like that level of theater. I find it even more satisfying than actual theater. The emotions are so raw. I don't know. There's something about it that I find profoundly satisfying. So
3: like 11-year-olds doing Fiddler on the yeah. Roof? This yeah. is your jam? That would be
5: a good one. I recently saw my friend's daughter do Les Misérables, or however you say that. (laughs) I laughed, I cried. It was better than Cats. No kidding. (laughs) Like I just was, I was like laughing, I was crying, I was
2: rapid cycling between the two. I just, it was so good. Thank you guys so much for talking yeah. with us. Elise Spiegel and Lulu Miller are the new hosts of the podcast Invisibilia, and they work with Anne Goodenough to make it happen. And we are so excited to listen to them all.
5: Well, thank you guys thank so much you. for having us. We really appreciate it. And listeners um, get gold
6: stars if they can tell who was talking at any given
3: time. Oh, perfect! <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. An extra challenge. <laughs> Thanks to Elise and Lulu for talking with us under debt. You can find the latest episodes of Invisibilia on iTunes. They're on Twitter at NPR Invisibilia. This is Nerdette.
2: You're listening to Nerdette. I'm Trisha Bobita, here with Greta Johnson. Trisha, it's pop quiz time. What do you know about Susan B. Anthony?
3: Uh, she's on the coin, and we don't have a lot of ladies on coins, so she must be pretty awesome.
2: I'm pretty sure it's just her and Sacagawea, right? Those are the only ladies on American coins I can think of. Yeah, there, there's a lot of white dudes on our dollars. <laughs> it's very true. Anyway, Susan B. Anthony, 141 years ago this week, she petitioned Congress to help her out in a legal matter. And Congress back then was about as useless as it is now. Now, now, now. Let's not equivocate. Now, back in November of 1872, Susan was trying to vote in the presidential election. This was obviously in the time in American history before women were actually allowed to vote. That year, the election for president was Civil War General Ulysses S. Grant up against newspaperman Horace Greeley. Who'd Susan vote for? Susan voted for Grant, and later that day she wrote a letter to her dear friend Elizabeth Cady Stanton saying, So we are in for a fine agitation in Rochester on the question. I love that all she had to say was the question. Elizabeth Cady Stanton knew. Yeah, I also really liked it because a fine agitation is a phrase that we should all be using a lot more in life.
3: Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Susan B. Anthony had total ovaries over bravery's bond, as Leslie Nope would say.
2: They were both fighting for women's suffrage. Yeah, you often hear their two names together when it comes to the women's vote. So soon after that, a warrant was issued for Susan's arrest because she voted and she wasn't allowed to. Someone came to the Anthony house where Susan says she demanded to be arrested like a man. What does that even mean? Well, apparently, like, the way she told the story later on was that someone just showed up and... You know, kind of went into the parlor and sat there and chatted with her about the weather like he tried to be a gentleman with her. And she was like, listen, man, this is, you know, like she pretty much said, I'm asking for equal rights. Give them to me on this side of the coin, too, which is pretty cool side of the coin. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You're welcome. (laughs) Anyway, in January of 1873, she was indicted for having knowingly voted without having a lawful right to vote. At this point, Susan was 52 years old. She used the time until her trial to travel throughout New York, presenting a speech called Is It a Crime for a Citizen of the United States to Vote? When her trial began in June, a jury didn't even deliberate before a judge said she was found guilty. She was fined $100.
3: And this is $100 in 1873, so that'd be almost $2,000 today. At least according to the inflation calculator I found on the Internet.
2: You know, it's, uh, that's the exact value according to the inflation calculator I found on the Internet as well. <laughs> so, yeah, it was for that fine that Susan went to Congress. She asked that the fee be remitted, quote, as an expression of the sense of this high tribunal that her conviction was unjust, unquote. Congress never remitted the fine. But here's my favorite part. Susan also never paid for it. Yeah, Susan. (laughs) She used the trial as political capital, making and passing out thousands of copies of the trial transcripts to try to show everyone how unjust this entire process was for her. Some people thought these legal actions gave Susan B. Anthony a martyr status. Other people thought she had become like a common criminal. One newspaper editorial at the time said, quote, if it is a mere question of who got the best of it, Miss Anthony is still ahead. She has voted and the American Constitution has survived the shock. Finding her $100 does not rule out the fact that women voted and went home and the world jogged on as before, unquote. Isn't that great? It just makes me so happy. You can learn more about Susan B. Anthony and other great lady nerds of history on our website, nerdappodcast.com.
3: That's a song from The War on Drugs. You're listening to Nerdette. I'm Trisha Bobita here with Greta Johnson and our contributor Lauren Chulgin, who wants to tell us about her new music obsession, a record of the month club that is about
4: as artisanal as it gets. I'm sure you've seen that vinyl's kind of having a little bit of a hipster renaissance. I mean, I'm myself part of it. We have a record (laughs) player at my house and my boyfriend and I are always spinning records. I remember when you called me over to your desk
3: to show me this beautiful hand-packaged album we want to hear more about this album delivery service, album of the month service that you are currently obsessed with. Yes. Vinyl Me Please. It's
4: really cool. It's like a um, a monthly club. And basically you apply to it and you pay them a fee and, and they'll send you an album each month. It's called Vinyl Me Please. And the original idea came from these two guys who used to live in Chicago. And I called them up to hear more about it. I talked to this guy named Tyler Barstow. Now they're in Colorado and they are just huge music nerds and they want to figure out a way to not just share music with people, but really engage people in an album and really get them to sit down and think about the type of music that they're about to enjoy.
1: Music is one of the really powerful and fundamental things that makes humans human. And we wanted to start putting really great music in front of people and helping people start to listen deeply to music again. And, uh, you know, I mean, obviously digital music and Spotify and Rdio and all those things are amazing. But there was a ritual to music of sitting down and, and really experiencing it and digesting it and listening to it the way that the artist spent a year and a half or two years putting it together and intended it to be listened to that is very communal and I think very important to us, Final was a way that forces that. You know, it's not convenient. You have to sit down and give it time and attention and you have to flip the record and you have to sit there for the whole thing. It entails that kind of ritual with it.
4: Instead of like going on iTunes and getting a 99 cent single or sending someone a link on SoundCloud, this was a way that they could re-engage people with art. If you sign up, you get a different album every month. And not only do you get a different album that they choose, but it's an album that they argued over on their team and decided it was something that you have to have in your collection. Then they send that album to an artist. And an artist does like a 12 by 12 rendering inspired by the music. And they give you a menu for a cocktail that they think you should drink while listening to the music.
2: I love that. So this is like the enhanced album listening experience.
4: Yeah. And I think the reason I wanted to tell you guys about it, besides the fact that it's obviously very creative... Is It is true we talk about this a lot about, you know, the sharing economy and where music's going. And you all know I'm a big music nerd and I come on here with playlists on Spotify and I make that kind of my mixtape for you guys. But really, there is something to be said for having to sit down and listen to an entire album all the way through or halfway through, get up, turn it over, and then keep listening to the rest.
3: I just remember how much you were nerding out about it the first time it came in the mail, because even the packaging is beautiful.
4: Oh, yeah. And they're hand-packaged, so they have their names on them. They do a really great job. It's obviously to them a lot about the art. They want it to be something that they think belongs on your shelf, but it's also there's more to it than that.
1: We go out and try and find artists that treat albums as an art form as well. Like the Matt Villainy record, you may not like rap very much, but if you were going to be exposed to rap, that's a great album to start with.
4: I like rap occasionally. It's not something I like go out of my way to listen to a lot. But, I mean, it was really incredible. And I did listen to it all the way through, and I never would have stumbled upon it otherwise.
3: I love that they're hand-packed, hand-crafted, handmade art, and then a craft cocktail. It's a little Portlandia, but I like it. It's in the way that I enjoy, that there's some authenticity behind each step of this process. It's better than the Beano or the Bacon or the Cheese of the Month Club. There's a little more love going into each of these albums that they're picking that show up at your door every month. If this is something that you're into, if you're a music lover and you're always struggling with how to find new music, it sounds like this is a perfect way to do it.
4: I mean, they're the ultimate nerds. That's why I knew you guys would like them. (laughs) (laughs) They love what they love, and then they made a job out of it. Living off borrowed time, the clock ticks faster That'll be the hour they knock the slick blaster Dick dastardly and muttly with sick laughter A gunfight and they come to cut the mix master I see E. Cole, nice to be old y 2 g Steve twice to threefold He sold scrolls low and behold Know who's the illest ever like the greatest story told
2: Ultimate nerd victory right there. Trisha, I really like the idea of having Lauren be like our nerdtrepreneur reporter. How do you feel about this? Bringing us stories of nerds who make their
3: obsessions their business? Yeah, yeah. I like it. Lauren will be happy to come back soon, I'm sure, with more nerd-obsessed businesses. Excellent. All right, now it's time for homework. Our first piece of homework for you all comes from Lulu Miller.
6: There is a graffiti artist named Blue, B-L-U, And he does—it's, like, so genre-bending. Like, he basically makes graffiti that is animated so it walks over, like, cities. And there are these, like, three- or five- or seven-minute YouTube videos. If you just Google BLU, Blue Graffiti Animation, you'll be led to a bunch of them. And they're the most entrancing, beautiful things because you see, like, artwork getting up and walking. But it's in real time. It's just one of those, like, oh— that can happen, and they're just
3: beautiful. We looked at these YouTube videos. They are amazing. We'll put a link on com, And there's one more assignment for you this week, and it comes from Elise Spiegel. The Sixth
5: Extinction by Elizabeth Colbert. She's one of my favorite journalists in the universe. She writes about the environment, but she does it in a way that is so utterly beautiful and compelling, and it has this really interesting... Chapter about the idea of extinction and how that idea came into being, which I find utterly beautiful. And then, one of my favorite things of the last year is that John Oliver did. Did you guys see his song that he did for the dictator of Syria, Assad? Oh my God, no. Okay, type <laughs> yeah. John Oliver and Assad into YouTube because, like, in a certain way, that is what I want our show ultimately somehow to be. Wow. I don't I don't know how we're going to get there, but there is an essence that you find in that that I would like to bring to
2: our show.
5: Right Said Fred is involved. Right Said Fred is involved.
2: <laughs> That's really hilarious and amazing homework. Yeah, I no, I, I highly recommend it.
3: <laughs> Such good homework. Here's a taste of that John Oliver
1: song. you too awful for this earth. Too awful for this earth. So awful it hurts. Your face has barely got a chin. It's barely got a chin. You look just like him. So please stop downloading our tracks. Stop downloading our tracks. Here's your money back.
2: Now it's time to hear from you. Time for nerd confessions. Nerd confessions. (laughs) Trisha, I know I say this every time, but this might be actually my favorite nerd confession. Ready? I'm ready.
7: Hi, this is Robin, and this is my nerdette confession. I'm a huge Star Wars fan, just the movies. I've been that way my whole life. My dad has a PhD in aerospace engineering, so I was raised by literally a rocket scientist. So I've mad nerd street cred. Anyways, back in 1977, when episode four first came out, I was nine years old, and my dad took us to see it, and we all just absolutely loved it. So he actually took us back to the theater when it first came out 12 more times to see it as a family. So that was super fun. Um, And so fast forward to a couple years ago, I got a new vehicle, and I wanted to get a cool license plate, like a personalized. So I went to the website where you can see if anybody else has the plate that you want. And so I was so excited to be able to get M T F B W Y, and I'll let you figure out what that stands for. I couldn't believe nobody else in my whole state had that. And then fast forward to about six months ago, I was driving down a major highway across my state and I came up behind a big old pickup truck and her license plate was MTFBWU, which I couldn't believe my eyes until I saw the Sith Lord sticker in her window. And I have a Rebel Alliance sticker. So of course I drove next to her and we waved and beeped and smiled and thumbed up if that's a verb. And I just thought it was so cool to think of someone else going to that website and saying, oh, somebody already has MTFBWI, but I'll go phonetic and get at you. And what are the chances of running into that person, well, not literally, on the highway, the, the two biggest Star Wars nerds with license plates in the state? I love that. And I was hoping you guys would be as excited as me. And finally, if you guys do decide to post my confession, I can't wait to play it for my three awesome daughters, who are not nerds for some weird reason because they're awfully young and I think it's probably not too late to try and convert them. Okay, have a good one.
2: How beautiful is that, Tricia? Robin,
3: that is fantastic. For any of the nerds playing along who didn't unscramble it, I feel like we should have Will Shorts come and undo (laughs) the riddle for us. But that's the acronym for May the Force Be With You. That is her fantastic, nerdy Star Wars license plate. I happen to be wearing right now in the studio a Trust Me, I'm a Jedi Yoda t-shirt that my brother gave me. So this made me extremely happy. I haven't seen Star Wars a dozen times in theaters because... My theater-going Star Wars days were the prequels, and those weren't really
2: worth seeing a dozen times, but
3: (laughs) Greta, how many times have you seen Star Wars?
2: Oh, my gosh, so many times.
3: (laughs) Robin, thank you for that nerd confession. We hope you play this episode for your daughters, and we hope that you nerds call in like Robin did, Call us
2: 312-600-5638. You know what else, Robin, I really love about your nerd confession is the phrase mad nerd street cred. I feel like we all need to be rocking that a little more often.
3: (laughs) Call us and leave your nerd confession
2: 312-600-5638. That's also where you could call to suggest a great lady nerd of history for us to profile.
3: Or just say hi. We love voicemails.
2: Thanks to Elise Spiegel and Lulu Miller for joining us this week. And to Lauren Shuljan for introducing us to Vinyl Me Please. You can find us at nerdatpodcast.com. That's where you can sign up for our email newsletter. It's on the left side of the homepage. You can talk with us on Twitter at nerdatpodcast or like us on Facebook. We put many book reviews on our Instagram. That's at nerdatpodcast. The show is produced by us, Tricia Bobita and Greta Johnson. With help from Joe Disso and Iris Lin. Thanks to Caitlin Saunders from NPR for helping us as well this week.
3: Chicago Public Media creates award-winning content about the issues that affect nerds like you. More information is available at chicagopublicmedia.org.
2: Thank you for listening on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Throw some stars and write a review if you're feeling generous. Like the excellent Get With The Program did on iTunes, all the rest of you get with the program and go do it. Do it. We appreciate the stars, the retweets, and the shares. And there's one other way you can help
3: Nerdette. If you're a nerd with a business or who works for one that wants to get your message heard by Nerdette listeners, you can underwrite this show. Email us, nerdatpodcast at gmail.com to learn more about sponsorship
2: opportunities. Our theme music is New Old Toys by Poddington Bear. Do your homework. Do your homework.
0: Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet TanWen Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO Original Limited series.